Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm joined by Simon Donnelly and his great friend Jackie McNamara who is joining us over the telephone. Welcome to the show Jackie. Cheers, how are you doing? Very well. We're here to speak about uh, a tournament that's taking place in January which is the Fans Bet Star Sixes tournament. Both Simon and Jackie will be playing and representing Scotland in an ex-pros tournament. So we'll have a wee chat about that today but uh, we're sitting here in Glasgow the morning after Celtic's final Europa League group stage game, where at the 11th hour we managed to progress to the knockout stages. Simon, what did you think about the performance last night? Uh, well, I was actually working at the game and I'd been at the last game with Jackie. Jackie was up for the, the Leipzig game, which I thought Celtic were terrific that night. Really good performance, if not the best performance of the season. But just from the off last night, I could sense too many players having a, an off night. Salzburg are a very good team. Yeah, you could see that almost immediately. And you just get a feeling after 5-10 minutes it was going to be a difficult night for Celtic. You get into the second half at 0-0 and you're thinking, well, you know, if we can hold on here and get the point and go through, that'll be enough. But obviously they, they get the goal and then Craig makes a mistake on the back of having two or three really good saves first half. And I'd more or less kind of gave up. You know, I knew Leipzig were up 1-0 uh, and I thought that was it. You know, a disappointing night. And lo and behold, Rosenberg pop up with a goal with five minutes to go to take us through. So... It ends well, but yeah, there's room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Jackie, what was your thoughts about last night's performance? Yeah, I think I uh, agree with what Simon said there. I think with, with these games, the likes of game I went to uh, a few weeks back, I thought, you know, in these games, you need everybody on their, on their A game. Um, I thought last night, you know, it was maybe, maybe four, four of them weren't, at least. You know, that I wasn't really sticking up front with Edward, and Roderick wasn't really getting a hold of that either, or Sinclair. So it's kind of breaking down a wee bit and then they come forward but I'm saying this you know they're, they're a good side you know they've run beaten for, for a good while for, for a reason you know, and it was, a, it was a good test last night but as I said the most important is is qualification to the next bit to the knockout stages like Simon said we'll make it a lot better you know to, to progress past the next the next bit but at least we're in there and you know we can assess the squad in January as well and hopefully you and Christy will look uh, too bad an injury as well. Yes, ah, uh, you mentioned Christy. That that's it's very unfortunate uh, timing wise that that's happened at the moment. We're just speaking to Simon about that. When you look at the performances of Ryan Christy this season, Jackie, have you been surprised with that, or did you just think it was a matter of time that he got the games that he would show that that he's the player that he's proven to be? I think he's been always had to wait his time. I think it's just been the last few months rather than the full season. So well, half a season. You know, it's only the last few months he's, he's been given a chance and he got a goal in one of the games and you're going next game, his confidence has, has grown from there. When you play with better players, you become better yourself, you know, through experience and, you know, Ryan at a good level of ability and the fact is that Celtic will, will improve his game, you know, and he's getting, playing with, with good players and against good players and they're playing in Europe. It's only going to benefit him and it seems to be in a, a, a good place just now, as I said, hopefully the, Last night with injuries, no, it's not too long for him. 
Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's put on ten pound in muscle just through obviously the conditioning. I know that it's something that you had a, a huge onus on in your coaching career, Jackie. How important is that in modern football to get that side of things right for a player? Yeah, I think it'd, it'd be a little advantage. You know, you see some of the lads, the players now, the machines, the athletes, first before footballers. They watch the Scotland, England, twenty ones, and it was quite um, noticeable the difference in the, the physique and the power and the pace. You know, when you're playing against the Sydney, you're playing against the top level, three of the top levels of the Champions League, Champions League football, and then international. Europa League comes next. You know, it's, it's different from playing in the Scottish League week in, week out. When you're playing against these guys, you need to raise, raise the levels, and it's not just the ability, but it's also the physicality and the, the stuff that go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's little bits there that obviously it's changed so much with the, the strength conditioning and stuff. Um, we were quite big into that when we were when I was managing the same was part of that as well but we thought um, you know it was a massive thing for them for their legs to build their legs up One thing you mentioned there Jackie was the Champions League standard being you know the elite if you like for the last couple of seasons I've heard <coughs> a lot of Celtic fans going on about despite the fact that we were great domestically Simon we were a Europa League team we're not a Champions League team at this moment we've played in the Europa League this season and I think what you know when you look at the standard of the teams that we're playing are, are people underestimating that tournament a wee bit? I don't think... You look back to last year's Champions League group with Paris and Bayern Munich, it's hard to compete financially with these teams. They've got the best players in the world. PSG in uh, particular, it's hard to compete. You know, you, you get yourself there. I think that's success for Celtic at the moment there. The disappointing fact uh, for me was last year when we got a wee chance in the Europa League knockout stage, I thought we'd kind of found a level there in terms of we'd beat Anderlecht uh, 3-0 away from home and I thought that was the level of team that we were going to play in the Europa League now you could argue St Petersburg were maybe Champions League level and they were unfortunate in the draw but I was hoping that we'd go on a run in that and as Jackie says there with that run you get experience at that level and you're playing against the better teams but that was a disappointment last year for me and hopefully now that we've kind of got a second bite at it you know in the back of the result last night we can we can get that into a run this, this season Jackie, just coming back to yourself, when you look at the three European campaigns under Brennan Rodgers, is this the one where we may well progress to the last 16? I hope so. As I said, um, obviously, see how, how it um, progresses in the cup against, but, you know, even going back to, I was fortunate enough to be part of Martin's score that got to the FA Cup final in Seville. You know, we get knocked out early in the Champions League qualifier against Barrow. You know, and, the betterness, no, they weren't, they weren't betterness, but at that time, you know, it was qualifiers, the league had, was just starting, you're not properly ready to go and play these games, you know, in terms of the season starting, so, you know, we went on to show what a good side we were that year, we'd beaten Liverpools and Celta Vigos, all the teams that would be up to, to get to the final goal of Easter's, so, you know, at the, the start of the season, I don't think that AAK Athens were better, better than Celtic over the two games, it was just a a couple of lapses of concentration and a bit of an experience that cost us mm-hmm. the qualification that the Champions League against. So obviously this is the next the next bit. There's some big teams left in it, as we know. But um, you know, I think it's, it's good to still be in Europe after Christmas. You know, they have the winter break here, but they'll get some sunshine. I really think that's a, a fantastic thing. It helped us in 2003 before we went there. On to get to the final, so they'll just recharging the battery, seeing the sun for, for it again for, for a while. Um, it helps. Absolutely. 
I mean, you mentioned <coughs> the uh, the knockout from from Athens, Simon. If you look at this season, Celtic have not had their troubles to seek. It, it's interesting now that we seem to be on a good bit of form. We obviously can't forget that we had the Boyata situation yeah. in Athens. Yeah. There was a, the issue with the signing or non-signing of certain <coughs> players. With regards to that, are we able to, in January, do you think maybe um, sign two or three individuals? And if so, where are you looking to strengthen if you're Brennan Rodgers? If you're looking at that from a coach's perspective, where do we need to strengthen to try and push on to maybe the last 16 of the, the tournament? I think you're always looking to bring players in. I think at a club that's Celtic size, you're always looking for players. Jack will tell you that every year that you thought we'd established ourselves in the team, whether it was Tommy Burns or Wim Janssen or whoever it was at the time, you'd go and bring other top-notch players in. And it raised your game because you're playing again, playing alongside better players in training. You don't want to lose your t- uh, place in the team. So I think it's uh, for, for Celtic, they have to go and get one or two. I think the Lee's situation just now and Edward up top, I know they played Forrest further up in the second half last night. And I think James, at the top of his form now, could play up there, but maybe a striker. And I would look at right back again as well. I know Lustig came off early last night. They've played Ayer in there. He's not a, a right back. So maybe those two positions for me that they mm. would look at, you know, to just to strengthen it and just give... It gives everybody else a lift there as well. You know, if you get one or two quality players in, it just lifts the whole club. Absolutely. Jackie, would you agree with that in terms of a new striker and right back, perhaps? Edward, Simon, going back to yourself, sometimes you forget he's only 20, yeah. probably because I'm, I'm thinking been, that when you're know. talking there, I'm mm-hmm. thinking that he's just a young boy, and when he first came in, I've covered the games last year, obviously working at the club, and I thought really raw at the beginning, you know, at times, wasn't entirely sure, he knew what he was doing with the ball, I thought he came to the fore at the turn of the year, the games against Rangers, really stood up and was counted, particularly the game at Celtic Park. And he's kind of been a wee bit hot and cold this season. He's got, still got a good goal return. I think at 20, he's got his whole career ahead of him. Uh, Brendan works with him day in, day out, knows what he's capable of, hence you know, buying him for such a, a huge fee. But to, to rely on him week in and week out, and as Jackie says there, if he's not performing and not to have somebody to come on to replace, it's, it can be a problem. You know, mm-hmm. as I say, Forrest up there, for me with the pace, possibly, but I would, I'd be looking to bring somebody in, just to, to challenge him, and I mean, as I say, I wish Lee all the best, and a speedy recovery, but, you don't know how long that's going to take, uh, and from a football, point of view, you know, I think the boy, holding that position up front, at 20 years of age, on his own, is a lot to ask. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Lee Griffiths, and there was a banner last night, uh, unfurled by the Green Brigade, wishing Lee all the best, in relation to his, well publicised battle, with mental health issues, I mean, going back to just a few years ago when you, you both of you were involved in the game as, as managers, <coughs> coaches, etc. Jackie, do you think that we are now at a stage in modern football where 
we are well enough educated in relation to mental health that we can deal with that and we can offer the support that's required. Um, I would hope so. You know, you said, you said it's changed so much since, since you were playing. You know, it wasn't really something you know, that anybody talked about or, or went there. These people had to go on there um, and deal with it um, and suffer in silence. Obviously, um, what's happened to Lee is you want me to give the support. But, you know, the players are a players' union. You don't know what support they're getting from the players. You know, they're allowing the, the, the clubs to, to look after their players and look for signs that something wrong. You know, as I actually played a young lad, Chris Mitchell, and um, he's having took his own life and he's played at Falkirk with him. Nice lad. And I think sometimes there are people understand when you, the difficult thing you're a football player when you come to terms and you stop playing you're still relatively young mm-hmm. and it's something you love doing but you still you can't get that buzz back of going in front of your crowds or, or playing on a Saturday and training every day and suddenly just stops in your mid-30s um, and it is difficult to come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. you know the top players will have different money but you know as I said when we ever get something to um, games to play and the star fix is coming up for us it's, it's a wee chance a wee buzz again to, to put the boots on or um, and get playing because it's it's something we love, love doing and it's, it's, it's the hardest thing ever you know, to come to terms with it that um, you can't do it anymore mm-hmm. I mean uh, yeah the tragic tale of Chris Mitchell was uh, one I didn't think Jackie actually that you had played with him at Falkirk but yeah it's, it's a great point you know a young lad who probably found it difficult to adapt to civilian life again after the being a footballer and all the, the highs that that gives you as a player. Simon, Jackie's mentioned January's event where you'll be pulling the boots on again for Scotland. Yeah. How does a 44-year-old man keep fit for <laughs> such an event like that? Thanks for reminding me of my age. <laughs> uh, just, I, I'm lucky enough that I play in a group of six or six twice a week and I've always tried to keep myself relatively fit since... Jackie retired me. I need to get that in before he gets it in. Uh, 35. So, yeah, I've always loved the game. Like like he just said there, you know, you're always looking for a, a charity game. Or, you know, I've been lucky enough to play in a few games at Celtic Park over the year. Uh, over the years, sorry. Uh, and as I say, just try to keep fit. But when we got this Star Sixes thing put to us for the first one in, in London, you know, then obviously there's something to train for. You know, there's a conscious effort there to go because you want to go and perform. You don't want to go and make a fool of yourself. And the buzz that came for that first one, you know, I remember us in the bus going over to the, the, the arena on the first night. It was as if we were going to a World Cup. You know, the, the kind of juices were flowing again. You know, that competitiveness comes back almost immediately. You're feeling the butterflies in the stomach. It was a proper event for us. Yeah. And this one in Scotland, and our ho- we're hosting it. It's going to be just the same again, if not more. And who's in, who's involved? Who are you looking forward to seeing? Not only just in the Scotland squad, but obviously some of your your ex colleagues and players are playing for some of the other teams. Who are you looking forward to catching up with, Jackie? Ah, there's, there's a few. Obviously, Stillian. Stillian's playing in this world team with Big Pierre. Um, I was actually with him last weekend over in Holland at watching the game. As we Bellamy at Wales, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of players there that played against or I played with. So, no, it's good. It's, I think it's. Everybody has said that once you're, you've finished playing, you get a chance to play these things, and it's great, great to see everybody and great to be involved in. You know, and obviously it's, it's going to be in Glasgow as well, so it should be a good crowd. And like we can, as I said, not embarrass ourselves and put a good account ourselves out there and do well. 
Oh, definitely. You mentioned Pierre. I've had a discussion with yourself previously, Simon, about the impact of Pierre van Hooydonk when he came to Celtic. Obviously, you had been part of what we call the old regime before the takeover. And during that Hamden season, there was very few things to be happy about. But Big Pierre came in in November, yep. scored in his debut. Yep. And you, yourself as a striker, felt that he upped the standard of the way that maybe the strikers would approach the game. You called it the Cantona effect. Yep. What's your memories of Big Pierre when he came to Celtic? Well, I, I, I didn't enjoy the Hamden season at all. It was my kind of first full season after breaking in. I had a few injuries. And I remember sitting in the stand watching Pierre that night that you're talking about. Scored a fantastic goal against Hearts. And you just, once I got on the training pitch with him, I realised it was a level up. You know, I'd played with some great players there, but the team were struggling, you know, and we needed a lift. And Pierre brought it. And just the way, you know, he went about his business. You know, I think for me being a young player, to kind of watch him going after, you know, training and working on his free kicks, which became his absolute trademark. But again, which I said earlier in the interview, when you're playing with these guys, you know, it lifts your game, even on the pitch. You know, just an intelligent footballer. And I've went on record, I have him up there. I mean, Henrik's the best I've played with, but Pierre's one of the best that I've played with as well, you know, in terms of intelligence and just knowing what's going to happen before defenders reading games and played at the highest level. His, his goals to game ratio is incredible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wherever he's played. Wherever he's been. You say. Now, Jackie, round about that time, you were playing for my hometown club, Dunfermline. I stand out, everybody knew about you. When did you find out that uh, your dad's old team, Celtic, were watching you and they were interested in bringing you to Celtic Park? I think it was maybe just under a week before. There was a bit of interest um, or paper speculation that I was going to England. At the time, some English teams watching us. I think in the summer, just before that, I had a chance to go down and play for... It was... Um, Arsenal in a like a uh, close season tournament which I wasn't keen on doing and this is before the Bosman rule as well mm. so I did a couple of little um, sniffs and I think the Celtic one came in I think a week before I signed you know and I heard that they put a bid in and it was rejected and it was a lot of money so obviously disappointed that they never accepted it um, but then obviously they took the second offer and I'll have to go and speak to Celtic the next morning and Signed in the morning and played at night and uh, made my debut that, that day as well. So, no, it was, it was obviously for me, it was a team come true. Mm-hmm. How it all unfolded. Absolutely. And I mean, I remember it well, as I say, it was a transfer uh, that I had kind of followed. And when you arrived at Celtic Park, you were met with someone like Simon Donnelly. You, you were familiar with each other because you'd played for the under 21s, am I right, for Scotland? Yeah, yeah, I, I um, met each other before that in Toulon. I actually asked him for his boots for the Morelitis. <laughs> no, they were for um, you. You told me they were for you. <laughs> <laughs> you need tiny feet, wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, no, but it's a kind of good uh, friendship right from the off. And it helped me sit on at Celtic as well. And I did come. And there was a, a kind of... Somebody, my, my age and friendly face. And it helped me sit on quickly. Mm-hmm. And one of the figures <laughs> that we always uh, look back fondly on, obviously, is the man who signed yourself, Jackie, Tommy Burns. What's your memories of Tommy bringing you into Celtic Park and, and maybe trying to implement the, the Celtic way uh, to somebody like yourself? I'm sure your dad would have told you all about it. Was Tommy also a hugely influential character in that respect? He was. Uh, I think in everything, Tommy was, you know, when I signed it, it was, it was just the, the main stand and across the other side, it was, it was corner flag to corner flag. I think capacity was about 33 and a half and 
late season groups as he could get. The demand was there. And he was telling obviously what was how the stadium was going to be done and twenty sixty thousand people here and you know and, you know, he was a big part of that and how it started up and what he believed in and I think his demands and as you said the Celtic way, you know, he's, every day his demands were there. You train you train the way you play, everything had to be the best, your passing drills, everything. And I think it's something obviously we try to ourselves try to implement with and a big thing that Tommy Burns uh, introduced at Celtic was uh, signing overseas players it's something that we didn't do a great deal of and I know that you know when Simon signed Rudy Vata probably uh, was one of the only foreign guys that was in the squad. Van Hoydonk came along, and then we had the three amigos. So from a an offensive type player, Simon, to play alongside Di Canio and and Cadet, and and also Andreas Tom. Yeah. I mean, what did that? Did they have the same kind of effect as Van Hoydonk? Aye, different ways. They were all different players, uh, but you know, top players within their own right. Rangers were dominant at the time, you know. So. When we get these guys of or guys of this caliber coming in, you know, you, it lifts everybody around about the club. You think, you know, we can go and compete here. Cadet, an out and out finisher, you know, but good runs, you know, for somebody who plays slightly deeper, it made my job easier just to slip him in with the runs he made. Andy was explosive, you know, uh, fantastic shot on him, and I mean, Decanio was just Decanio, a bag of tricks, fantastic ability. But they all brought something different to the team. But it was it definitely as a as a team, it brought belief that we could go and compete with Rangers. Yeah. Uh, and it's the infamous one, you know, where we go the league with one defeat. You know, any other season that wins the league. And that's kind of one of the regrets because TB brought the guys in. He had us playing fantastic football. It's one of my favourite seasons. And we just missed out too mm-hmm. many draws. Mm-hmm. I think it is the favourite season of many Celtic fans, probably of my age. Incredible. There's a lot of fans come up to me and mm-hmm. talk about I mean, the 98's obvious. You know, that's... And, a great sense of pride of being part of that one but it's amazing how many fans pick out that season you know there's games there and as me and Jackie have tried to do you know the clubs that we've been at you, you try to put on a show you try to put something in the memory of the fans and that's what we did that season that's that's why they remember it mm-hmm. when you're looking at a Dutchman a German someone from Portugal someone from Italy and bringing in the culture uh, of these various countries into a Scottish dressing room was it difficult for them to fit in or were you more or less taking all these different tips and and you know for diet for example condition I think they were kind of ahead of Scottish football. I think they? I think they were, but I think they also kind of they adopted you know Celtic they adopted the Scottish culture as well. I mean they would come out on nights out. I think Big Pierre used to have curry for his pre match. You know so <laughs> they had some weird and wonderful you know things as well. But I, they, their ability was what kind of shone out. You know and as soon as they stepped onto the training pitch. And you played with these guys, it lifted, it lifted everybody. Mm-hmm. Jackie, what was your memories uh, coming up against this type of player in training? Because obviously, Simon says all of these guys were international players. Was it a step up in standards? Was it was it uh, something that raised your game? Do you think? Ah, uh, definitely. I think you just said just, you talked about um, the players earlier just now. When you're playing against or playing with or against better players, it improves you as a player. And you know, you know, you you're looking up at playing them. Really fortunate to play with these guys coming in. You know that was kind of 
in ten years that I had, that was the start of it. We Piers and Cadetes and Andy Toms, then the other ones, the next ones came in after that. Larsons, you know, to see all these guys come, and you had the Suttons and the Hartsons or the rest of them. So you know, it's, it always improves you as a player, and always keeps you on your toes because there's more and more players coming in from different places, and you know that that raised the level of not just our team, but I think Scottish football at the time. Obviously, Rangers were spending a lot of money. Uh, you know what happened there, but they were bringing in big players as well. So that improved you on the park as well. Mm-hmm. Sadly, we didn't win the league under Tommy Burns. That's what everybody wanted, <coughs> and he was replaced by someone who had no real connection to Celtic and Vim Janssen. Uh, I've said before, maybe that assisted him in, in relation to the fact that he wasn't emotionally attached to the club and he could maybe approach it as a job and he knew what the job was. Simon tells you the funny story of him arriving in training in the Netherlands wearing a, a shell suit with his perm. Uh, Jackie, what was your first impressions of Vim Janssen? domestic guys struggle with the changes you're talking about the discipline and, and, and big changes maybe from the, the previous regime was it was it easy for you to adapt Jackie? Um, no with certain things I think I think that's probably why you know because there wasn't um, you, you know I think with Tommy you knew where you stood you know from, from the word go and what he was thinking because he, he would tell you with him he just sit back and maybe he wouldn't be playing I think that would be Contributed to the start, you know, when uh, Tosh headbutted Henrik, you know, I think that was, it was kind of building up and building up because nobody knew, you know, what he was thinking or what he was doing or who was in the plan, he he wasn't involved. But again, it helped the squad come together, certainly bits that he'd done. Like you said, maybe he wasn't a Celtic person coming in. They didn't understand the whole ten the whole thing and you know, didn't feel the same pressure but he still uh, he still is determined to win. Sid, would you agree with that regarding the Tosh McKinley incident? Obviously he's he's headbutted someone who became an icon at yeah. Celtic. But in a strange way it brought the, the squad together. It did I uh, I remember it was before a Rangers game down at Barrafield and obviously there was supporters on the fence and I mean, I was that close to it. I, I think I get blood, Henry's blood on my, my bib. But, you know, I think they kind of kissed and made up, you know, shortly after. And there was a wee bit of tension running about at the time because Vim had set training up. It was the guys with the jersey against the guys that didn't have the jersey. He was trying to bring a intensity to training and sometimes it overspilled. Uh, and I think that just blew it all away. 
and it did. It definitely had an effect on us moving forward as a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's been known as the smell of the glove season or stopping the ten, and we've spoken a lot about it this year. Uh, Simon, did you think having uh, stopped the domination of the Rangers domestically that you could have cracked on and maybe made a dent in Europe the following season? Or was there always this feeling uh, hanging around that Vim was only in for that one campaign? No, there was never that feeling until we went to we went to Portugal at the end of that season. You know, it was a game we were obliged to play uh, through the George Cadet signing and Sport Lisbon. And the first, I mean, Jackie might remember better than me, but the first I remember was we were getting called into one of the hotel rooms, you know, to have the news brought to us. Uh, I wasn't really aware of anything. Uh, I've spoke to Murder McLeod since, and there was obviously stuff underlying, which seems incredible towards the end of a really important season that was underlying. Uh, he'll know more about it than myself, but no, it was first brought to me when we were on that trip. And looking back on it now, it's incredible because it's such an important season in the history of the club to think that he came, stopped the 10 and, and, and left in a season. It's remarkable. Mm-hmm. It's a story in itself. It is. And I mean, th- there's another story, Jackie, that you tell in relation to who was going to take over from Vim Janssen. And it was it was kind of kept secret, wasn't it? And there were suggestions that Ruth Hewlett might have been in for a job. I think Gus had Yeah, I think that was the media speculation. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh... Did you did you um, try and make efforts yourself to find out by, by phoning Fergus McCann on his mobile? No, I wasn't phoning Fergus. I was phoning. <laughs> it was the um, guy Jamie uh, Church. He was like the security guy. Right. He was really he's a top bloke, and uh, he used to pick him up at the airport. So we were in the, the fizzles room, and I'd phoned him from there with the boys listening in because we'd heard it was a toilet, and I so I could have been sacked that day with Fergus McCann. Not a peak, obviously, what, what we said, but uh, he didn't. I think he's under a bit of, a bit of pressure to get um, Dr. Joe to, to Glasgow. And they met in Edinburgh, put away from the paparazzi at the time on the media. Um, and obviously, enough, I maybe phoned at a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> but you never found out it was you that was phoning? No, no, well, I, I ended up staying in a few years at Celtic, so I couldn't have found now, Ruth Hewlett would have been a, 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 certainly a big name to bring in. Uh, we brought in Dr Joe. Joe Venglos had been the manager of Sport in Lisbon when we beat them famously 5 nothing at Celtic Park. He'd managed at a World Cup. He knew Lubo Moravchik. What did he bring to the club, Simon, that was a wee bit different from Vim Janssen before him? He had some weird and wonderful methods in training. I remember his, you remember his running about, Jake, holding her breath in training. Uh, I I'm not sure what he was trying to get out of that, but I remember all the boys, it was like, we were like school boys, you know, kidding on their, holding their breath, but we weren't really holding our breath. Uh, <laughs> but, no, I think that anybody looking back at that period will look back to, you know, what he brought in in Lubo, and we're talking about all these players that came and lifted your game. Uh, this guy came in and never never had heard of him, you know, and got stuck in the press, what what he sign, signing this 30-plus a uh, guy that we've not heard of and uh, after a couple of games everybody knew about Lubo Moravchik and, and what a career he had albeit you know it was only a few seasons at the, the end of his career uh, I would just have loved to have played with him earlier on in his career because I think Zidane himself goes on record saying he's, he's the best number 10 he played with in mm. France so we all seen that you know towards the tail end of, of Lubo's career but my god he could play mm-hmm. I mean, one guy we've not really focused on is Larson, other than him getting his uh, nose broken for Tosh. 
You saw him for a wee while longer, Jackie, at Celtic. He's probably seen the development of Henrik Larsson. I mean, you know, early doors, I know that he was he was a good signing, etc. first season. Did you see what he would become? Did you actually realise he was going to become this iconic modern legend? No, I wouldn't say in the first season. Obviously, what he trained him, he knew he was, he was cool, he was clever, he was intelligent, he runs. Um, you know, the goals that he scored, he was always in the run. You know, the headers he scored because his movement was so, so good. And the fullback, he knew where he would be as well to link up. He was, he was intelligent, but I think he's he drive and determination more than anything. And I think he just got better and better and better. You know, I remember speaking to Dan Fletcher over in Scotland. Uh, trip when he was at Man U at the time after he'd been at Barcelona, I think him would have been about 35 at the time, possibly. Yeah. And Dan Fletcher was talking about his movement, how good his movement was compared to, you know, what he'd been playing with. You know, and he'd obviously played with some great players there at Man U. Mm-hmm. So, but it was, it was telling us stuff that we knew. Obviously, when he's playing in Scotland, people don't really take notice of it. But he goes to Barcelona after Celtic and then to Man U. That we knew, we knew what he was and how he was and the ability he had and, and, and how much he got better and better as he got older. Mm-hmm. What a year it was for both yourself, Simon, and you, Jackie, 1998. Stopping the 10 <coughs> and then you've got the World Cup finals to look forward to. Uh, the last time we actually qualified, 20 years ago. Now that squad, when you look at it, it was uh, the nucleus of that squad were Celtic players. Yeah. Do you think that uh, McLeish, now looking at the, the players he has at his disposal, he should basically play your five or six players? I mean, you look at McGregor, surely he should be the first name on the team sheet for Scotland. Yep, totally, I agree. And I think towards the end of the last campaign, or halfway through the last campaign, I think Gordon Strachan realised that as well. You know, when he's brought in five or six, I think Scott Brown was still involved, uh, and we just missed out. But that influx of Celtic players and the success and the winning mentality that they had uh, definitely helped the Scotland squad and you look at them now you look at the ones that are there Forrest McGregor Tierney Mm. you know Christie's fought himself into the fold Lee when he's on form for me he's Scotland's best striker so aye I think that's the way forward you know and people can accuse you of being biased but that that is a, a nucleus of a a winning team there you know you add to that your Andy Robertsons and the other ones coming through uh, I think we've got a decent chance of doing something in the next campaign mm-hmm. I mean you mentioned uh, Robertson uh, Jackie I've discussed Robertson's rise with yourself before you know spotting him at Queen's Park bringing him to Dundee United and the big dilemma uh, is always where do you play him in respect of Kieran Tierney being in the squad you know, from an uneducated point of view, just as a punter, do you not just play the two of them on the left? One of them maybe a wee bit further up? I, I, I know you said, I think they tried that. And, well, he had one Yeah. Um, because they're used to they're used to the pressure. 
to get a bit of abilities, abilities, abilities there are other players that have different abilities, but dealing with the mentality of the pressure that, that comes with playing the Celtic and winning, and playing in European games last night, the mentality of that, and that's, that's something a lot of the boys in the road, maybe down south, it's not a big shock or it's not a crisis, it's the Celtic lads to, to, to lose a game or draw a game, you know, in, the, in England. Um, it's something I, I found difficult when it went down to, to Wolverhampton. You know, you draw a game. For me, it was like losing two points. Yeah. Points dropped. Um, but the mentality of it is different. Um, and that's that's something that Alex should should use, and it's helped him the last the last game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the winning mentality. Just before we move back onto the Star Sixes uh, tournament that you'll both be involved in. Uh, looking at the game last Saturday against Kilmarnock, we come up against some, a team who were at the top of the league and we basically wiped the floor with them 5-1. I mean, the first half performance, Simon, was one of the best I've seen since Brennan Rodgers took over. Realistically, do Celtic have a challenger? And if so, this season, who do you think it is? Well, funnily enough, after that game, I went on record as thinking Kilmarnock could quite easily be second. And my, my reason behind it is I don't think anybody else is... I know Celtic got off to a, a, a less impressive start than last season, and that's why, I mean, albeit we're sitting at the top of the table, we've not got the points gap, but mm-hmm. I think Kilmarnock have shown, you know, in the period up until now, why can't they go for second? I don't think anybody can rival Celtic this year. I know there's been a lot of noise for, for Rangers, but there's too much ability and too much strength and depth for Celtic. I think they'll strengthen again in January. Uh, the one we downs obviously Christie last night with all the games coming up in December. Mm-hmm. But I mean the first half last week was great to watch. I probably hold that up there with the Leipzig game. Get the early goal, which changes everything. You know, come not come to try and frustrate that Forrest gets a goal after two minutes, which I mean Jackie playing games like that, you know, as soon as you get an early goal, it changes everything for the opponents. They've got to come out a little bit, it changes the whole mentality. And that in itself opens up opportunities for Celtic but I thought they were first class and I don't see anybody halting it you know I think the only thing that can stop it is Celtic you know we started the season for whatever reason you know maybe victims of the high standard for last season but since the St Johnson games you know the one in the cup and then one in six you know there's been a couple of blips but the form's been really good Mm -hmm. we're scoring a lot of goals and I don't see it stopping Mm -hmm. Would you subscribe to that Jackie do you think Kilmarnock realistically could be the closest challengers this season? One last question. In my time watching Celtic, the what is now called a bromance was probably Jackie and Sid. We've since had uh, Paddy Roberts and Kieran Tierney. Back in the day, it was Jinky and Bobby Lennox. Um, and you two guys are going to 
resurrect that by playing for Scotland in January. So who are you going to be playing alongside for the Scotland team and where can we come and watch you play and when does it happen? It's the 4th, 5th and 6th of January, uh, so just after New Year at the Hydro in Glasgow. The Scotland team, Jackie will keep me right, is obviously myself, Jackie, Big Rab, Douglas and Goals, Barry Ferguson's our captain, We've got James McFadden, Lee McCulloch, Stephen McManus, Don Hutchison, Mark Burchill, who have I missed out, Jake? Charlie Miller? Charlie Miller, yeah. I think that's 10. Yep. So I think we're looking good, you know, we're all in training, I think we're meeting up next week for another training session together, hopefully it's just a training session and we don't go into the Christmas festivities afterwards, <laughs> but yeah, I think we're looking good, you know, got a couple of different ones from the last time out, a few younger ones, and you know, I, I fancy us for it, I have went on record, I've put us right under pressure, I think we can get to the final. Would you agree with that, Jackie? I don't see why not, yeah, I think um, you said we, we obviously know what to expect this time from from the last time, you know, the first game we, we went out and we, we done really well against Mexico. The second game we got trounced on to Spain, <laughs> which most people did to be fair. But the England game, I thought we were, we were very unlucky and the usual dodgy referee down there, Kirk Costas. Um, but it was, you said it was great fun. I absolutely loved, loved playing it. And I'm really looking forward to this one as well. So the fact that we know we're getting ourselves into and what to expect will help us. Absolutely. And what we'll do is we'll put the link up on the Celtic State of Mind Twitter page with regards to where to get tickets. But thank you both Simon and Jackie for uh, appearing on a Celtic State of Mind today and all the best for January. Cheers. All right. Thanks Jackie. Thank you. Fans Bet are a new online bookmaker who promise to share 50% of their net profits from tagged accounts for causes that matter the most to fans. The business is about fans and run-by-match-going supporters, and we at a Celtic State of Mind are delighted to be partnered with them. If having a bet is already part of your match day and something you enjoy doing on football, racing or any sport, then you can download the Fans Bet app to sign up. If you do so, then please select Celtic as your club and a Celtic State of Mind, and you'll be making a contribution to keeping your podcast going and supporting other Celtic causes. They've already helped to make a difference to the fan community by contributing to fanzines, supporter trusts, branches with travel costs, and they were also part of the first safe standing installation in England at Shrewsbury Town. You can visit blog.fansbet.com to read more about that on their Giving Back page. All of our podcasts, articles and videos can now be found on intocreative.co.uk. This site encapsulates our love of Celtic, music, books, film, politics and much more. Pay us a visit, check out our shop for merchandise and contribute your working ideas to the site. As always, thank you all for listening. Join us again next week where we will have another guest with a Celtic state of mind. 